Rhino, it was official on Wednesday night just after 8.32 p.m. Central Time when the Brewers won yet again in dominating fashion. The Cubs' 2019 season officially over their wild card chances, their elimination game uh, gone to zero. I'm going to ask this very frankly. What the hell just happened? Well, Chad, I hate to say it. I was kind of prepared for this a couple of weeks ago. I just did not see that this team had enough to push through. I know you're more optimistic than I am, but I just looked at this as being realistic, and I just did not think that this team was going to make it happen even after they crushed the Pirates and then got off to that great start against the Reds. Things just even got worse over the week with the Reds, the Cardinals, and then the Pirates. It just was not the year for the Chicago Cubs. It absolutely we've, has to we've got a big show next year. We've got a big show, Ryan. We've got uh, we've got some comparisons in 1969. We're going to talk about Joe Madden's future, some potential replacements. We're going to talk about what the heck, heck happened with Craig Kimbrell. We've got so much and, and, and much more and a fantastic guest. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk to Rick Gregg of WBBM News Radio 780. He's also a Southern Illinois Saluki. We're always partial to our dogs. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. First inning now, Chad, and let's chat about 1969. It was 50 years ago that the Cubs blew a the amazing Miracle Mets who went on to win the World Series. And you have some pretty interesting comparisons <laughs> between the 1969 Cubs and the 2019 Cubs. So I will give well, you the floor first to make some comparisons about these two balls. I've got some thoughts here, right? And one, I, you know I don't believe in curses, jinxes, and things like that. I don't. I just don't believe in it. But we, you know, this Cubs team did bring out and honor the 1969 Cubs, which I find to be crazy because it's like the worst situation of like an epic demise. And sometime shortly after that, the Cubs did it on their own. And so, you know, my my thesis on this, my hypothesis, this is this is our generation's 1969 uh, uh, Cubs, and and I, I would actually take it back to last season. So if you think about it, as as early as in September. The Cubs in, in 2018 had a five-game lead. This year, um, the Cubs were leading the division, you know, the second week of August. You know, it, it, a, you know seven, seven days, you know, the, the, the seven days into the last homestand, this Cubs with, team was in contention. And, and I got to tell you, eight straight losses and counting, um, this is – this to me is as epic of a, a painful collapse as you're going to see for a franchise. And this one, you know, I think is going to hurt for a very long time. I obviously was not alive, nor were you in 1969, but if you are a person in your sixties, maybe even their seventies, the 1969 team is certainly a team that you kind of lived and died with yeah. to some degree. Um, it's a little different with this 2019 team only in the sense that we have seen the World Series championship in 2016. So this does not hurt as much as it would, Chad, if we did not have the World Series title that we had in 2016. If this was a team that was in the position they were in and then completely collapsed, well, it would be just reminiscent of any other Cubs season that maybe we have seen in the past. And maybe it would have more of an effect, I feel like, on more Cub fans 
like 1969 did, because certainly there are a lot of people that define their childhood yeah. on that 69 team. Well, I, this hurts. Yeah, and this I think it's the weight of expectations. Team to watch. Yeah, I think it's the weight of expectations, right? We're, we're in this window. We have this expectation. We're going to be there and we're going to compete. And for the last season to end as it did, and for this season to end seemingly to fall off a cliff, just it's 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 it, this is this is this is incredible. I'm still shocked by what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the second inning, Chad. And as we mentioned, uh, this team has been losing by epic proportions. It's almost like they've given up at this point. Um, they lost two to the Reds. Then they get swept by the Cardinals, which basically was the dagger. I mean, that absolutely was the dagger. And now they're laying eggs against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, you know, this was a team they absolutely blew out at Wrigley and were looking like world beaters before the series against Cincinnati. Um, it, it just goes to show, I mean, the holes that are in this team and the discrepancies that unfortunately are going to have to be addressed this offseason. It's going to start with the bullpen. Well, it's really going to start with the manager, and we'll get to that later. But it's really going to start with shoring up the bullpen, shoring up the starting rotation, and trying to figure out where they need to really plug holes in this batting order because this team right now as it stands chad as we have already seen they are just not good enough as constructed than the st louis cardinals and the milwaukee brewers to win a title in their own division let alone making the postseason and making a deep run for that matter yeah you know for our, our long time you know our long time listeners even the ones that just tuned in last week i mean what a difference a, an episode makes i mean we were we were talking with hope and optimism, scoring a record 47 runs in a three-game series, going into this 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 final homestand with with the opportunity to insert their will, show what they're made of, show their fortitude. And I will share this with you. I don't look at this as this team has quit. I truly don't. There were mistakes that were made. The bullpen had implosions. I was there Saturday and Sunday for, in the Cardinals series. I saw it. I saw it firsthand. That hurt. But to lose five straight one run games that's where you just look at it and you go this team isn't just isn't meant to be the this team isn't going to get the breaks this you know if you remember that 15 and 16 teams it seemed like every ball bounced their way it seemed like every big hit you know every time they found a hole this team found every glove this team's relief pitching found every bat for me i am still bewildered by it i don't feel like this team completely gave up um obviously the monday night game against pittsburgh looked like that towards the end with the five errors and giving up all those runs in the last two innings um i am just shocked by by what i've seen i know the fans are shocked by what they've seen everybody feels like ah oh, we saw this coming but no, a week ago, this team absolutely was in position to make a run and make another their fifth straight postseason, and it is not meant to be. Yeah, it is certainly not, and unfortunately, it's just, you know, something that we're all kind of coming to terms with. It's, it's absolutely shocking as we move on to the third inning. And, well, the biggest news of that is going to be the absolute uh, end, it, it appears at least it, as of now, the end of the era of Joe Madden. Yeah. Uh, will go down as the greatest manager in Cubs history, um, regardless of, you know, Charlie Grimm or Leo DeRocher or whoever you may think at that moment is the uh, the greatest manager in Cubs history. I mean, for me, for you, it's it's got to be Joe Madden. There will be a statue of this man outside of Wrigley Field one day. Um, so the question is not about – and Joe Madden was apparently asked about his future with the Cubs 
Um, and he says he still feels optimistic about yeah. staying with the team. Again, I think that's more of just him trying to elude the question, which I completely understand. But when it's all said and done, Chad, um, I personally think, and I, I said this before, um, now reports are coming out that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, a team that Joe Madden has a very close relationship with, he was a coach under Mike Sosha when that team won the World Series in 2002. He had been associated with that team for a long time prior to his managerial role with Tampa Bay that the Angels and a lot of money that they have could be interested in bringing Joe Madden aboard as the manager. And for me, it makes all the sense in the world. I hope it happens for him if he does get let go of the Cubs. I just really hope that the Cubs don't regret letting go of Joe Madden because I'm going to absolutely miss what this man meant for this franchise and most notably for this city. I think it's a clean break, and I think that's, you know, we're speculating here. You know, no decisions has been made. We don't have any inside information on this. Nobody really does. It's, it's all conjecture right now. But it is the end of a five-year contract. There's a couple things working against Joe. One, it's the end of his contract. And I got to tell you, for those people on Cubs Twitter, um, to calling for his head, calling for a firing, why? What's the point? This guy brought us to the promised land, brought us to the, the postseason, a record four out of five years under his helm. So let him finish out the season. Let him have his swan song. And it, it's going to be an easier break for it to happen in the offseason versus to make a move you know, with a couple games. It just doesn't make any sense. The other thing working against Joe is Joe is the, um, along with Bruce Bochy, is, is the highest paid manager um, in Major League Baseball. And times are changing. You know, there's they're, they're looking at Moises Alou to take over uh, the San Diego Padres. I mean, they're not doing that just because it's it's name recognition. They're doing that because it doesn't make as much sense um, to have a manager doing managerial things because in the in the day of analytics and and you know you just call it the old money ball time. Um, you know, they they have a playbook that they have to follow. And let's be very honest, Joe didn't really always follow that playbook. He used his gut, and I think this front office probably wants to see what their really smart people in the back room and their analytics can do if a manager actually follows his playbook versus using hunches against different pitchers. And i got to tell you as well, I think there's a part of this fan base, Ryan, very honestly, that would like to see a more uh, normal, more normalcy to how, how the, the pitchers and the lineups are handled. So I think Joe's fantastic. I love everything he's done for this franchise. Um, but I will not be surprised uh, and, and I won't be sad um, I'll be very happy for Joe, uh, for him to make another move, because he will, but I think it's time. He's going to get a job no matter oh, where yeah. after this year. I mean, he will be one of the most sought-after managers in baseball, without a doubt. And you're right. I mean, now we're seeing the change of managers, like you said, not doing much managing. And when you're seeing an Alex Cora or an Aaron Boone or an A.J. Hinch or a Dave Roberts, four of the most successful managers now in baseball – um, that are continually winning World Series and getting to the World Series, and they are not high-profile managers, then that is all you need to know about how this game has changed when it comes to what is important in the, uh, the game of baseball. And so with that being said, as we move on to the fourth inning, who will be the next manager of the hmm. Chicago Cubs? I mean, we can speculate now because there have been reports, um, one coming out from uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, who has basically said he would be shocked if David Ross was not named the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And then you have another prominent baseball guy in John Heyman from Sports Illustrated, who he says Mark Loretta, the bench coach for the Cubs, is going to be the leading candidate. So I guess both of those guys are pretty interchangeable at this point. 
Um, I, I mean, I really don't have a preference. I guess you look at somebody like David Ross, and obviously he's somebody who is, you know, name recognition in the sense that he played on the 2016 team. The, the fans know him. The fans love him. The players love him. So there's that kind of advantage with Rossi. Then you look at Loretta and you say, well, he's already been a bench coach on this team. He knows the organization. He knows this, you know, the players already. So as far as I'm concerned, Chad, I, I don't think it makes a difference one way or another if it's Loretta, if it's Ross, or if it's somebody else we've never heard of. You know, at this point in time, it's really about how this team is going to be constructed on the field. I'm not that concerned about who's going to be calling the, you know, the plays in the dugout, more or less. Yeah, I mean, we've even heard uh, 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 Mark LaRosa. You know, he's been he's his name's been thrown out there as well, getting him off the the TV analyst job. I, uh, uh, you know, and DeRosa, he, he he's beloved by uh, by Cubs faithful. I mean, if you think about it, really for me, what I think is going to be the key factor. We're not going to see a no-name. I, I feel pretty confident about that. This is too big of a market, and Joe Madden was too big of a fish for them to bring in somebody that won't appease the fans. I've always thought that, that David Ross is the perfect fit for this franchise. I've always thought you know, he was beloved um, by the fan base. He himself is going to sell tickets. He is going to give good TV interviews. And you know what? He'll probably... Um, you know, work with the front office and, and work with the game plan as we talked about before. And as you said, he knows this, 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 uh, this team. He knows a lot of the players. Um, and he knows how to manage a game. And so my money is on, on David Ross. You know, uh, uh, Loretta obviously has been brought in as the bench coach, uh, and probably was made some promises to prove it. Uh, I, you know, it's going to be so interesting, but the, the only thing I can guarantee to our listeners, I, I fully 100% believe we will not have a no name. It'll be somebody that will appease the fans because I got, you know, this is as mad and angry as I've ever seen this fan base. We, this was, this, this, this was, this is a fan base that has been absolutely down on this team since September of 2018. They've not pure, they've not been happy. They've not been pleased. And so what can they do? You know, uh, trading away a Chris Bryant for prospects ain't going to make them happy. You know, uh, signing Nick obviously would make some, some fans happy, but, uh, David Ross, you know, or somebody like that who, who has great name recognition is going to be something that I think the front office is going to have to do. But I, I guarantee whoever they do bring in has got to play ball with what they're trying to do in, in, the, in the home offices. You know, the irony in this whole thing is that the Cubs had Dale Swaim for a long time as their manager. They had Rick Renteria for that one year. These were the same exact guys that now they are kind of looking at to manage this team yeah. prior to bringing in Madden. Now, I understand it's different circumstances. It's a different day and age, even from four years ago. I understand that. It is just kind of ironic that they are now bringing in a guy or somebody like that that they previously had in that role yeah. prior to them hiring well, Joe Madden. You, in that a, a, one other thought that people in, in the past have talked about, uh, um, you know, Going at, uh, you know, going at somebody, somebody as a no name. I, I, I gotta tell you, I think that, uh, one person that I can guarantee it won't be Dusty Baker. <laughs> or Lou Pinella for that matter, right? Absolutely. I definitely guess that as well. Dust off right. Lou, wherever he is. <laughs> yes, that's, that's absolutely right. All right. Fifth inning now. And well, he's got two more years on his contract, Chad, and $30 million to boot. And we're talking about Craig Kimbrell. I, I don't even know where to start with him. Um, Craig Kimbrell obviously was the guy everybody wanted in the offseason. When the Cubs were in need of a closer, everybody was hoping it would be Craig Kimbrell. 
So the Cubs go out and sign him. We all thought this was going to be the move that was going to put them over the top. And it has been the complete opposite. Craig Kimbrell has absolutely been a disaster since he came to Chicago between injuries, between inconsistencies on the mound. Um, I, I don't know if this is just an injury-related season for him, and he is just not 100%. Yeah. But this guy, unfortunately, it has just not worked out. And I can't, I can't kill anybody for this because this was the move everybody the move. wanted. Yep. Everybody wanted Craig Kimbrell, and we were hoping it was Craig Kimbrell, and we got him. It just, unfortunately, has been a major flop. And it just, all I can say at this point is I hope he gets healthy. I hope with him having a full spring training next year, this guy can at least get back to the kind of dominant pitcher that he was the past several years. Because it just, if if he was anywhere near what he was like a few years ago or even last year, I have no doubt that the Cubs would be in such a different position that they are right now. It's just unfortunate that this just did not work out in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it, 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 there's history though that kind of, that kind of speaks to what happened here. So think back to, to last year, you know, the, the prize of the, of the, the trade deadline, the, the relief pitcher who was out because, you know, was, was out on the street and they, they waited till the draft pick compensation was gone. It's Kevin Gray and the Cardinals picked him up. And as we all know, they, he pretty much sank the Cardinals season to the point where he got released. And so it, he was on kind of a one year prove me deal. Um, the Cubs, you know, obviously felt like Kimbrell, who is going to be a Hall of Famer, absolutely will be a Hall of Famer. He'll be in Cooperstown, that he was worth the extra investment. Um, so, you know, there is history with players missing spring training, missing the ramp up during spring, being inserted in really key game situations and not d- doing well. Now, now, Greg, this year has had a fabulous year. He actually his numbers trended up really well. And so that's all I can do to hold on to hope. Um so that that's all I can really share about that. You're, you're, everything you said was absolutely right. Um, I can just hope that with a full season and a full off season and knowing where he's going to be and the clarity and, and building up his arm strength like he's done every year of his career, except for this year because of the circumstances, that it will be so much better. I do wonder, you know, they, if they rushed him back too soon off of the injured list um, and should he have been on the mound on Saturday. I mean, I was there. Ryan, I, I, real quick story. I mean, there's one player on this team that every time he's up to bat, I'm like, oh gosh, and that's Tony Kemp. And, and he was up to bat. I'm like, oh, geez, key situation, Tony. He hits a two run bomb to put us up. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, much like when I saw Rizzo in his second at bat, um, hit his home run, you know, coming off that crazy ankle sprain. I'm thinking, okay, here we go. But it was that moment. Okay. This is when it shifts on Sunday, splitting the series. Everything works. Kimbrell comes in and those consecutive pitches, the air. Was just pull. I mean, there, there, if there was not a balloon left of air in all of Wrigley Field after that second pitch. And I, I, in one hand, yes, that's Kimbrel's fault. He said he executed the pitch, pitches he wanted to execute on both of those. Um, but on the other hand, you know, did he get brought back too soon? Should he been in that situation? The, 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 the number of injuries, cause we've had a number of injuries to the, the, the bullpen. There are some key guys that could have been in that situation. Um, Strope not being strong, Kinsler being out, um, Morrow never realizing it, you know, being able to step onto the field. I, I can't blame him if he was rushed back, but it was an exclamation point to a very forgettable year. And all I can hope for is 2020 is going to be a lot better. All right. Let's move on to the sixth inning now. You mentioned. This year compared to last year and moving on to 2020. 
So, Chad, after everything we've seen this year, I think you and I may have different takes. Yeah. Has this been an underachieving season for this team, or was this just a situation where this team just wasn't good enough from the get-go? I have a very simple take. Nobody on Cubs Twitter is going to agree with me. You're not going to agree with me, and I'm okay with that. I look at this, and I say the run differential is still one of the best in baseball. It it absolutely is. Look it up. The Cubs have one of the best run differentials, better than – than uh, the, the Brewers, and that usually is is a telltale sign that you outscore the other team, you're going to win more games. So for me, yes, was the offense inconsistent? Yeah, it was, but the offense was inconsistent for a lot of really good teams in baseball. The stat that just just screams out at me, and the only one that I look at and go, and I can point at and go, that's the problem, and it's the bullpen. Even though the bullpen had one of the best ERAs in the second half and, and, and they had some great numbers and we, we even raved about them last week about some of these no name guys, both the Wicks and others that came in and, and, and did a great job. 30 plus blown saves by this bullpen. If you convert just 10 of those saves, Ryan, just one third of those blown saves, this team wins the division running away. So that is the stat that I look at and I go missed opportunities. That is where I go, what could the Cubs have done differently? Obviously they tried to do something in the, in the midseason, but if they don't immediately address the bullpen and bulk that up, that is where I look at yeah. analytically and that's where I see the biggest problem. Yeah, for me it's got to be yes, the bullpen is definitely right there, but I think that all season long the leadoff spot has been so problematic no. for this team. We have never been able to find that consistent leadoff hitter. When Anthony Rizzo is your best leadoff hitter, that is not a good thing. I love Anthony Rizzo, and he's fantastic, but the man should be batting third every single time, or fourth. He should not be our leadoff hitter. And as crazy as this sounds, with, with them losing Dexter Fowler to the Cardinals, it was such a huge blow, more so than any of us could yeah. have imagined, losing Dexter Fowler to the St. Louis Cardinals and not having that guy to set the table. The Cubs need to address that so badly. I think we're set at second base. If Nico Horner can turn on into this you know, player that so far has looked absolutely brilliant, um, I, I love where he is going right now. But, again, I, I also think not only the bullpen, Chad, but this starting rotation is not in a good place. Not at all. We There are a lot more question marks, I think, with this starting rotation than I think we're actually looking at from the standpoint of who do we have next year that we are going to rely on because Cole Hamels, he most likely won't be back with the team. Is Darvish going to be able to continue to pitch the way he is? Is Kyle Hendricks going to be able to bounce back and not have that Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation? And is John Lester downtrending now? Is he on the downturn of his career? Are we not going to be able to kind of rely on him the way that we have? I think there are so many questions we have. And so to answer the question simply, I do think this team just at the end of the day was not good enough. I don't think they underachieved because I think there were so many holes on this team And I even looked at the Brewers and the Cardinals, and I said, I think that the Cubs could be in trouble, especially when the Cardinals went out and they got a Paul Goldschmidt and they and they revamped that starting rotation. The Cardinals were able to reinvent themselves. And I want to tell you something. I know that we talked about who you think is going to be manager of the year and Davey Martinez, who is certainly going to be a major candidate for me. It's Mike Schilt and what he has done for the St. Louis Cardinals because he took a team that didn't make any moves at the deadline. And here yeah. the Cubs made so many, yep. and they were able to capitalize on all that. So for me, there just wasn't enough talent. 
Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. You know, we're always partial, as we say, to our fellow Southern Illinois Saluki graduates. And this week, our guest, well, he is one of us. It's Rick Gregg from WBBM News Radio 780, kind enough to join us here on the program. And, of course, a alum of Southern Illinois University. Rick, I wish we could be talking under better circumstances, but thank you for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. How you doing? I'm doing great, except for the scoreboard at Wrigley Field. Otherwise, I'm fine, and thanks for having me, and go dogs, of course. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's try and get through this the best we can under the circumstances that we have them. The Cubs lose four straight games, and on top of it, have lost six in a row, if you count the Red Series. But, man, that series was just absolutely woeful against the Cardinals. I mean, every single game was a one-run game. The Cubs were in every single one. But it just seemed to be the same issue over and over again. The Cubs unable to hold a lead. What was your biggest takeaway from what you saw from this four-game set this past weekend against the Cardinals? My biggest takeaway is that everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. Cub fans started, Cubs themselves started with their backs straight up. We're going to do Every game that went by, they slumped just a little bit more. And you knew how much they cared about it until the end. We had you Darvish just um, uh, basically crying at his locker because he'd given everything he had and it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. Yeah, you mentioned Hugh Darvish just giving it everything he could. When you look back on this season, though, Rick, do you think we're going to look at a team that just wasn't good enough when it was all said and done or that this team underachieved when it was all said and done? Well, there's no question in my mind that the team underachieved. I don't know uh, that anybody thought that – you weren't sure that they were going to be world beaters, but you at least had them as a playoff team this season. And time and time again, in close and late situations especially, they came up short. You know, this is a team that had like the third best bullpen ERA in baseball, and I don't have my numbers in front of me, but that's about where they were. And then if you look at the close and late numbers, like when it really mattered with the bullpen, they dip all the way down to 12th or lower. They weren't getting – those uh, those key outs when they needed them. The guy they brought in to be that guy, Craig Kimbrell, had the worst uh, half season of his career. I think it's fair to say more home runs certainly than he'd ever given up. Uh, and it just bit them time and time again when you wouldn't have expected a team like this to, to I don't want to say fold because they certainly were trying their hardest, but time after time. Yeah, we're talking with Rick Gregg from WBBM News Radio 780. You can also find him on Twitter at Rick Gregg. Uh, definitely give him a follow on there. We're talking about the Cubs' latest collapse, and this is basically it at this point. Um, even though the Cubs technically are mathematically still in the chance of getting a wild card, um, that certainly at this point uh, does not look like they will be making the postseason for the first time since 2014. Um, you know, looking at this team and and looking at how things are going to change. Do you expect a major overhaul of this team, or do you think there are just tweaks that need to be made when you look at the offseason? The first question is, what happens Monday morning when technically Joe Madden is no longer manager of the Cubs? His contract's going to run out at the end of the season. Do they bring him back? Do they not bring him back? The general feel here is that Joe's going to be gone, whether you won't say he deserves it or not, that that's just the first step that they're going to take. And if that becomes Paul. As far as the roster is concerned, they're going to have to do turnover. 
one, probably two starting pitchers. Uh, they're going to have uh, issues with the back half of the roster. Just, you know, guys like Ben Zobrist who are leaving or, you know, whether Zobrist retires or not, we don't know yet, but it's entirely possible that he will a guy uh, with somebody better like Albert Elmora, who, um, you know, nobody dislikes Albert Elmora, but he hasn't developed the way you want him to. And he isn't rely on uh, just a year ago at this time. So there's going to have to be a lot of changes. If you're asking me if I think that the Cubs are going to trade Chris Bryant or something of that magnitude, I'm still on the fence. They got to trade somebody, but I don't think, I don't know who it'll be. I don't think it'll be Bryant. Yeah, I know. It is a lot of tough decisions in the offseason that this team needs to make. Now, one of the things that the Cubs did was people are saying it's not a promotion. I guess they've just given him a different title. It's Jason McLeod, who's now uh, working in a different role under Jed and Theo. Do you read, does anybody in Chicago read into what that move was to the point where maybe that is starting to this is this the maybe the beginning of Theo Epstein's exit strategy to where he might not be necessarily this coming year but in the next couple of years Theo Epstein decides it's time for me to move on I'm going to give the keys to Jed and Jason and kind of let them run the show well are you sure Jed's going to be there what team is going to come after Jed uh, could a team come after Jed and say hey I want you to be the uh, the president of baseball operations I want you to have Theo's title or uh, vice president which I think they have uh, on the south side something like that something higher than GM and does Jed look at that uh, with McLeod we tried all tried looking through the tea leaves right because it happened about the same time that Boston let go of Dombrowski and did they make a run at McLeod the Cubs say absolutely not that was not the catalyst for it uh, I've heard he wanted to get off the road a little more which is understandable and I'm certain that the Cubs didn't want to lose him so you elevate him you get him some major league experience and then um, Theo said a couple of days ago last week that uh, this gives him all of the experience that McLeod needs to be a general manager someday whether that's with the Cubs or elsewhere so I don't know if Theo leaves I don't think Theo leaves after this year I don't know if Jed leaves but I think there are going to be people who are sniffing around and I sure, sure would be if I was an owner trying to reestablish a uh, jumpstart uh, my franchise. So maybe he's able to slide into one of those positions after next year or, you know, however the ladder moves up. I think that they really want to keep him around. And that's, and then the other thing is um, while he's had a lot to say about prospects and development, of course, over the last eight years, once the players have gotten to the major leagues, he's been hands off having his voice around to help break things down in the front office. uh, As far as the major league team is concerned, I think the Cubs feel that can only help them. Yep, we're talking with Rick Gregg from WBBM News Radio 780. Kind enough here to join us here on the Friendly Confines seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan. You can find Rick on Twitter at Rick Gregg, and he's kind enough to talk some Cubs baseball with us here for the next several minutes. You know, it's funny, Rick, if you had to point to one area right now that was the most problematic for the Cubs, what would you say that area is? Uh, assuming the word consistency isn't an area, I would go with relief pitching. I mean, they've got so many arms back there, especially in September, and you just don't know what's going to happen when any of them take the mound. There's not that reliable guy. There's not that, um, or actually you need more than one reliable guy. You need two or three of them. And I know that the numbers say the bullpen has done better. And I know that Jed Hoyer uh, and Theo Epstein will say that the bullpen has been unfairly maligned. The problem is when the bullpen fails, then 
you're it's it's so glaring you know that 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 loss is so glaring sometimes it really hurts uh it's not just blowing a lead or let getting hit it's blowing that crucial lead against a division opponent like you know the reds or something like that although they pitched fairly well against the reds last week uh it's blowing that crucial lead that game that you feel like you have to have you get yourself in position to win and then you lose it you drop it so that would be my first thing the other thing is and I know what the stat people say, and I'm not saying that they're wrong about having a leadoff hitter, that lineup construction doesn't matter. But for God's sake, they don't have that steady presence up front unless they put Anthony Rizzo up there. Part of that's Ben Zobrist and his personal issues. He wasn't where they wanted him to be all season. And part of it is we're three years on, and they still don't have a Dexter Fowler replacement. And Fowler had his ups and downs. He was not perfect, but he was the guy you put in there. He was the consistency that they just don't have in that lineup now. Yeah. Absolutely right. Well, with that, we want to thank you, Rick, for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. We really appreciate it. You can find Rick on WBBM News Radio 780 during the week. And certainly you can find him on Twitter at Rick Gregg. We always root for our Salukis. Great job, Rick, Thanks for joining us. We hope you will be uh, on the show again. We would love to have you on down the line. Our thanks to Rick Gregg. Of course, he is a graduate of Southern Illinois University, so we're always excited to bring our Salukis on. And, of course, you can catch Rick on WBBM News Radio 780 with all the latest news in the sports world from Chicago. And you can find him on Twitter as well, at Rick Gregg. We also want to mention that we have one of our final episodes coming up next week, and we are going to be talking to one of our favorite people, also a Saluki, It is the one and only Mark Silverman from ESPN Radio 1000. Mark and Sylvie, or excuse me, uh, Waddle and Sylvie, (laughs) is the uh, name of the show. Mark Silverman, who is uh, one of our favorite guests and a friend of the program. He's going to take some time to join us and wrap up the Cubs season as well. And and Ryan, you said it was going to be our final episode, but it's just going to be the the final episode of this season. And then what we're going to do, listeners, is is obviously um, when we have some more news around around a, a managerial situation, big trades, big uh, big signings, things like that. We're obviously going to have special editions throughout the the off season, like we had last year. And uh, just a heartfelt thank you on behalf of Ryan, on behalf of myself. Thank you so much. Our our listenership has grown exponentially during this season which has been very interesting to say the least and we know that uh, listenership and 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 interest uh, grows and wanes depending on how the cubs are doing but thank all of you those that have been a part of this uh, um, this fun little project that, that Ryan and I have, have been uh, doing with the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast. Thank you so much, and we can't wait to uh, uh, bring another season of uh, the Chicago Cubs baseball here in 2020. All right, so let's move on to the eighth inning now, Chad. And uh, last week, unbelievable to say this, uh, because it was something both you and I grew up on, but WGN-TV broadcasted yeah. their last Cubs game of course, uh, in 2020, the Marquee Sports Network will be the place where you can find all of Cubs baseball. The Cubs are going to have their own sports network, much like the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, so since 1948 uh, to 2019, 72 years of baseball has been on WGN-TV. And uh, it is crazy to think that there is no longer going to be Cubs baseball on WGN. Um, Harry Carey, Steve Stone, Jack Brickhouse. Um, I mean, just some of the legendary names that over the years we have gotten to see on WGN. I, I can even remember when, you know, people like Dwayne Stats, who's now the play-by-play announcer for the Tampa Bay Rays, or Tom Brennan, who's now on the Reds. Yeah. 
uh, Chip Carey. I mean, all these guys, and, you know, up to Len Casper, all of these guys have been a big part of the WGN broadcast. So it's, it's just kind of, for, if you're from Chicago, or even not from Chicago, WGN was the reason why the Cubs became a national team, because people would yeah. see the games on WGN. And uh, it is just amazing to me. And obviously we understand that times change that, you know, it is time to move on and uh, it is not going to be on anymore. Do you have any special memories or thoughts, Chad, about you? As, uh, it comes yeah. To yeah. You know, I, Cubs? I'm, I'm less sad and more reminiscent, right? You know, it, you, you touched on this and, and, and I'm just going to be very clear. If it wasn't for WGN, the Chicago Cubs wouldn't exist as we know them. So my special memory is the special memory that Bob in Topeka, Kansas has, and Joe from Texas has, and, and, and Jose from Portland, Oregon has, is, is, you know, coming home and, and, and turning on WGN, thinking you're watching GI Joe or the Transformers. And instead there's a baseball game on and it's Harry Carey and Holy cow, what's he saying? You know, this is incredible. I mean, there's so many people, the reason people filled the streets, filled the bars, flew in for a, a bucket list opportunity to be near Wrigley field because when the Cubs made it in 2016, was because of WGN, because they developed their fan base at the right age for many years. But what I'll say when I said I'm not going to be too sad about it is, is this has gone away. I mean, this is this hasn't been a thing really for most of the last two decades. It's been spread around over, you know, a handful of different stations. It, you know, day baseball has not been a consistent thing that, that, that we've had there. It hasn't been broadcast nationwide for a long time. It's been on national uh, regional sports networks for a while. It is going to be interesting to have a single market. I've been very impressed with what I've seen in the marquee uh, uh, studios, what I've seen from their production team putting out uh, different videos and packages on their YouTube channel. I'm really excited about what could be possible. And again, just want to share for all those talent scouts on the marquee network, Ryan and I are available. Yeah, we are build out your podcast team. And, and you know what, we'll probably come pretty cheap initially. And then we're going to grow up such a, an incredible uh, listenership that you, you won't want to, to lose this, but in all, uh, all seriousness, it's an end of an era. So many uh, great memories for me. It truly was, it was GI Joe transformers or Harry Carey. And I didn't always know when I came home, what was going to be on. And when it, the Cubs were on, especially that 1984 season for you is the 1989 season. That is what hooked me. That's what hooked you. And it is yep, truly absolutely. an end of the era. So as we move on to the ninth inning, Chad, uh, the next question is, do the Cubs at this point just play for pride or the better pick? For me, I think at this point, gee, just play for the better pick, uh, especially when you know you're not <laughs> going to be going anywhere. It doesn't matter if this team finishes with 85 wins, 86 wins, 87 wins. It, it really doesn't. They're going to finish in third place in the NL Central. As far as I'm concerned, the most important thing is for this team to build the farm system again and to get good solid players and so for me the higher the draft pick i don't mean to say tank at this point even though the season's basically over but if i'm the cubs <laughs> i would say just go for the top pick you can get at this point the conspiracy theorist in me which i'm not but sometimes i throw out some theories is what if the front office was so absolutely clear that this team could not make a run and they wanted the Madden uh, or the end of Madden's era to be so clean that they like, like a marionette, they like pulled the right strings to make those five 
straight one run games happen and take them completely out of it. I that's 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 saying a lot and that's giving a lot of credit to to the front office. But I'll 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 share this just to say, you know, they to go from potentially storming into the wild card and maybe getting hot at the right time and maybe surprising some people in the divisional round and 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 maybe 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 right all those things that could have happened to potentially picking in the first half of the draft you know the first 14 to 6 i think 16 is the best they can do if they they take i mean they're about even with the the boston red sox who's been out of it for for a month or so um it is bewildering to me this has been such an incredible season I don't think this team is going to play without pride, but I will share this with you. Once there's no prize at the end of the tunnel, it's really hard to, to put your, your foot down on that gas pedal a little bit. So whether they, they, um, they tank or they just aren't trying nearly as much, every one of those players in that, 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 uh, that uh, clubhouse, um, especially after that second Pirates game at PNC, they are all thinking about the barbecue. They're all thinking about their golf game. They're all thinking about it. They're going to have their spend their off season. There's no way that that's not in their heads. And my God, yeah, what a it's difference really a unbelievable. Week well, that is going to do it for this edition of the friendly confines folks. We'll be back next week. We'll wrap up the season with Mark Silverman from the Waddle and Sylvie show and ESPN radio 1000 for Chad. I'm Ryan. We appreciate it as always, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. We'll see you at the ballpark next season.